Welcome to the Mom Worthy Podcast. This is Brittany. This is Sam. This is Cassie. Grab your coffee or your wine and come hang out with us. As we talk all things breastfeeding with Amy, an internationally board certified lactation consultant with over 20 years of experience. All right, guys, so today we're going to talk about breastfeeding. You had a ton of questions that you submitted, and we got a lactation consultant here from Arizona who's very well known, and anytime I see anybody ask about breastfeeding, they always recommend Amy from AZ Breastfeeding, uh, AZ Breastfed Baby. So yes. can you introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about your company, what you do? Absolutely. So I started out in 1998 as a labor and delivery nurse. Um, I had found out that I was pregnant with my first baby at like the exact same time that I started on labor and delivery. And I did that for about 18 years. So I worked mostly in the hospital and I also was able to assist with some home births. I worked at a birth center for a couple years. So I was able to see birth in a lot of different ways. Even my journey with my own three kids with breastfeeding, which for the most part was very enjoyable and I loved being able to do it. I had struggles with each one in the very beginning, my first more so, Um, and it was a lactation consultant in the hospital. I actually gave birth uh, at a hospital that I didn't work at because I wanted a midwife, Hmm. and the hospital I was working at didn't have any, and that hospital had a board-certified lactation consultant, and the hospital I was working at didn't, so it was my first exposure to that role. And she really made a huge, huge difference for me. So I always had that in the back of my mind. I always loved helping moms and babies with breastfeeding. If we had a mom in the hospital that was having a really hard time, a lot of times it was me, but the other nurses would say, can I get this baby to latch? Could you go in there? And I was just very persistent and very patient Mm -hmm. and would help. And so in 2012, I ended up, sitting for my boards to become a board certified lactation consultant. So I'm actually a IBCLC, which is an internationally board certified lactation consultant. So I have a sisterhood and brotherhood because there are male IBCLCs um, across the entire world Wow! that we all have, you know, specific training. It's ongoing education. Hmm. Every five years we have to recertify. So um, it's a really amazing thing. So a couple years ago, I was still working as a nurse. My um, jobs, I kind of was doing both labor and delivery and working as a lactation consultant outside in the community. And it just got to the point I had to pick one or the other. So now I just help moms and babies with breastfeeding. I do home visits. I have an office. So I walked away from my role as a nurse, which wow. was bittersweet. But I did, you know, the whole pregnancy, birth thing for a long time and now I get to do the baby and breastfeeding thing. That's awesome. So yeah. I love that story and I think you know it's a great time to be doing that because nowadays moms want to start breastfeeding more again. Yeah. Like I know when my mom had me it was more normal to do a formula fed. That was what was pushed and now you know breastfeeding is pushed if you can if you're able. Yeah and I was formula fed. All Mm -hmm. four of my brothers formula fed. Mm -hmm. When I had my first daughter my mom was like I think that's great you're breastfeeding but I don't know anything about it so don't ask me any questions. (laughs) And and I do think that the pendulum is swinging and we've had several generations of a lot of formula fed babies Mm -hmm. and now we're coming back to this time when people are reaching back out 
in other cultures and even in other times in this country, mm-hmm. we had a village, right? We had a group of women, our aunts, our grandmas, just our neighbors, and everybody had a role in a niche. So when you had a baby, you had your aunt bringing over food. Yeah. You had your older sister maybe that was like, you know what, hold your baby like this when you breastfeed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll take care of the other children. And all you do is just bond with your baby and nurse, nurse, nurse. And they still do that in other parts of the world. And, you know, we can talk a little bit more about that, but I brought a couple of books that go over that the first 40 days. Yeah. And now women are, you know, really kind of starting to reclaim that. And you guys are a perfect example of this, like, mom village, mm-hmm. you know, mom-worthy. And to come together and to be able to support each other. And and I think that's amazing. We talk about yeah. that a lot. Because we think, yeah, the village was kind of lost mm-hmm. for a while there. And it's coming back to... It makes a big difference, too. Yes. Because we always talk about how lonely motherhood feels. Yeah. And you don't have the help, the resources. Mm-hmm. That's why the group's a great thing. People come in asking questions about everything from yeah. breastfeeding to yeah. stuff about their husbands. And, yeah. And it's yeah. so nice to see all the moms come together. And mm-hmm. they answer each other's questions. And they help each other out. Yeah. And... You know, everybody's so willing to jump in and do that, which is yeah. so nice. But it, it's sad that it has to be online and, yeah. and it's not more in person. Yeah. Well, I have done a free postpartum sport group since 2011. So for those women that do want to get out of the house yeah. and actually be around other new moms, we have a lot of groups like that in the Valley. And, you know, really, you could probably find some type of postpartum support group every day of the week here mm-hmm. so like banner Estrella does a breastfeeding support group every monday mm-hmm. um banner del web so i'm kind of like talking about some of the west valley ones but like in the east valley um modern milk does the boob group on fridays in scottsdale and then they have one in gilbert so a lot of the birth centers all of the banner hospitals have one so you could look you know you could find one pretty yeah. easily My group is a postpartum support group, so we do talk a lot about breastfeeding, and Mm -hmm. there's breastfeeding support, but my heart is really to be there for every mom and every baby, and if breastfeeding didn't work out for them or they didn't want to breastfeed, like you're still welcome with open arms because I think that every mom deserves to have that village, so yeah. I think it's important, too, for moms to know that because for me, I didn't know about the postpartum support groups, and I didn't even really think about it either when I was struggling with breastfeeding and so they were my support really Mm -hmm. with hey I can't do this hey have you tried this sort of thing Mm -hmm. so I think it's important for moms to know that that's available yeah I mean I had my daughter in uh, 1999 and then I had my second daughter in 2000 and I had my son in 2003 so there weren't you know the groups Mm -hmm. and I had one friend I call her my breast friend (laughs) her her name's Mickey Sund and she's a labor and delivery nurse at Banner Strea and she's actually seven births away from graduating as a certified nurse midwife and she had a baby and her daughter's exactly one year older than my oldest daughter and so I got to watch and see her breastfeed and that was the first time I'd really seen a baby breastfeed beyond like the first couple days Mm -hmm. and asked her a ton of questions so she was my my person and that's what I tell people yeah (laughs) you were my breast friend yeah you should trade my (laughs) (laughs) yeah she helped me be successful with breastfeeding I love it yeah and it and we worked a night shift so when I was up at two in the morning feeding the baby I was like oh I'm so tired and I just Mm -hmm. nursed her and she wants to feed again and I'd call Mickey to do and she's like just feed her 
you know, so she was, she was my breastfeeding support for sure. So it really does like be very picky about who you get your breastfeeding advice from and find that one person that is real about it and supportive mm -hmm. and latch on to them <laughs> and don't let them go. And it, and it could be one person. It could be a group. Yeah. yeah. So, and if you go to a group and it doesn't feel like it's the group for you, that's totally okay. Go find another one. And if you are breastfeeding, it's a great place to get out and like breastfeed in public, but it's not real public because yeah. it's just other moms mm -hmm. and babies. And the group that I do, it's um, only for moms with babies from birth to crawling nine-ish months. We love toddlers, but they're kind of germy, mm -hmm. and they like to sit on babies, and so <laughs> they love Grab them. Baby. They love them really hard, mm -hmm. and um, so I keep that this particular group that I do. And it's on Tuesdays, um, and I'm sure we can link like the information. Yeah. But at the Motherhood Co. at 32nd Street and Shea, it's just moms and babies, so the germ factor is really low. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing is like find your no bra friend, like find the friend that you can show up at their house without a bra on and yeah. just <laughs> sit and hang out and. And someone who won't judge you when you start leaking exactly. everywhere. Yeah. Like these yes. girls have seen me with leak marks all over my boobs. Yeah. I'm like, eh, yeah, it happens. <laughs> it's my life right now. It's real life. So. <laughs> With all these, we had a ton of questions coming about breastfeeding, and you, we were just saying before we started this, it starts even before you have your baby. So yes. where do we start the research? When to start? Where to look? Yeah. I'm super passionate about this. So when I teach um, a childbirth class or a breastfeeding class, I will say choose your team wisely because who you go to for um, your prenatal care and the hospital that you give birth at, or if you're going to give mm -hmm. birth at a birth center at home that is gonna make a huge difference yeah. to how breastfeeding gets started. And you know, if you are having to ask for things like skin to skin and delayed mm -hmm. cord clamping, that should be something that your provider brings up to you. Yes. And they should be as excited about it as you are. So you really want to interview your providers. And if you're 36 weeks pregnant and you start talking to this stuff about this stuff to your provider, and they're like, mm, yeah, we do it sometimes or whatever, Find a new provider yes. because it's so, so important. If you were buying a car and you had, like, you wanted, you know, a red Jeep and you, of course, air conditioning because we live in Arizona, right? Leather seats and you had all of these things that you wanted and you went to a car dealership and they had the red Jeep with the leather seats and everything you wanted except for no air conditioning. And they were like, it's okay. You can just drive with the windows down. You can take the top off. You don't need air mm -hmm. conditioning. And you're like, mm -hmm. no, but I it's want important. air conditioning. Yeah. You yeah. would leave and go to a different dealership. And, you know, we deserve that. For sure. And our babies deserve that too, to be that picky about who you allow. You are the consumer. Gone are the days that you go to your OBGYN because they did great pap smears and you're just going to stay with them mm -hmm. for your pregnancy. And they may be amazing people and great doctors, but they really need to be up to date on mm -hmm. the evidence-based research. I agree. This is science. This isn't just being crunchy or granola, like I want to do skin to skin. I want delay cord yeah. clamping. This is science-based yes, research. I so I would say choosing your provider, looking into some prenatal classes, a breastfeeding class, and then check with your insurance and see what coverage they have for a lactation consultant. Hmm. So it would not be necessarily, there are some hospitals that offer outpatient 
but don't let your insurance tell you that, oh, you'll just see someone in the hospital mm-hmm. or your pediatrician can help you with that. It needs to be a board-certified lactation consultant that either comes to your home or has an office that specifically, you know, does an appointment just for breastfeeding. The mm-hmm. Affordable Care Act covers that. I'm not in network with any insurance companies, so I would be considered out of network, but often insurance will still reimburse those rates. Oh, that's good. good So yeah. So have like your resources ready to go. I think a lot of us, most of us, and what I find when talking with parents is that we don't have any clue what's going to happen when this baby is born. When I had my first daughter, I honestly thought I was going to finish her scrapbook. Because scrapbooking was cool back in 1999. And I thought I was going to finish her scrapbook. And I had like all these supplies that I had purchased. And I had kind of started it during the pregnancy. So I had like, you know, this project that I was going to do. And I talked to parents all the time. And the moms were like, oh, yeah, I was going to, you know, do this, this, and this. Yeah, yeah. Like, really the only thing you're probably going to accomplish during your maternity leave or in those first, you know, few weeks and first few months is holding your baby. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like that's like the main thing that's going to happen. Feeding, holding, cuddling, getting some sleep, like everything else is just on the backseat. So, you know, doing meal prep before the baby is born. Every time you make dinner, make a double portion, freeze half of it. Look into the meal delivery services. Make sure someone's going to set up a meal train for you. You know, really, I tell people, like, we all want to be environmentally conscious, but go to Costco and buy paper plates and silverware and just, it's okay. You get a free pass so that (laughs) you don't have to do a lot of dishes. Um, You know, make life as easy as possible in those first few weeks and really the first, you know, month. Because you don't know, like, is your baby going to be jaundiced and you're going to have multiple doctor's appointments in those first few weeks? Is your baby going to be tongue-tied and you have multiple doctor's appointments? You know, are there going to be issues with mom, you know, if you have a cesarean birth, you're going to be moving very slowly. Mm-hmm. So you, we, there's just a lot of variables. So really, like, be open to the fact that in those first few weeks, and really, I'll just say, like, that first month, that you are just going to be focused on healing and mm-hmm. holding and feeding your baby. I think one thing that helped me a lot with for breastfeeding before I had my first was I was in a breastfeeding group on Facebook. And mm-hmm. that really, I think that's what pushed me to keep going because they were yeah. so adamant about like, you're going to do it, you know? And that really yeah. helped me was being in the breastfeeding group. And research does show that whether your group is that one person mm-hmm. or a Facebook group or getting out mm-hmm. and going to a support group, that women that do that have lower rates of postpartum mood disorders, mm. enjoy their breastfeeding journey. Like they, they'll say like, it was hard, but I'm glad yeah. I did it. And breastfeed longer. So yeah. it's so, so important. I think she definitely helped me because for years I would go and hang out mm-hmm. with her, just me and her and the kids. And I would watch her breastfeed for, you know, five, six years now. I watched you with Cash, Sawyer, and Capri. Mm-hmm. And so I've been, I mean, I've seen her boobs. Like she yeah. just whips it up and puts it on. I'm so sure. I was able to see kind of what that looked like. I'm sure if I was formula feeding in a bottle, you probably wouldn't have thought about it as much. No, no. But my mom did breastfeed me as well. Like, even when the times were more formula fed, like, I was a breastfed baby, so Mm -hmm. having my mom be so supportive with it definitely helped. Yeah. Um, But I think it was really good for me to see it in action for years, 
and have her support through it, you know? Like, she would even check my latch. She's like, yeah, that's a good latch. Yeah. <laughs> good job. Well, yeah. Great latch. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, for myself, my mom didn't breastfeed. Your and sister didn't my breastfeed. sister didn't breastfeed. I wasn't really around breastfeeding a lot. And then also in the hospital, you had mentioned, you know, meet with the lactation consultant in yeah. the hospital. I went in for labor Friday night, had the baby Saturday morning, and left Sunday. So they didn't have a lactation consultant. I was so mad for her. I was like, you need to get a lactation consultant. There isn't one. There isn't one until Monday. And I was like, I have nothing. I have no support. The nurses tried, but they didn't really know how to help me. I wanted to come help you. I didn't know. Did she have a tongue tie? She She had a lip tie. A lip tie. So she had a lip tie. And then, you know, we just had all these other issues that kept coming and you up have and I was very large breasts. I feel like that has something to do with breasts. it too. Yeah. I feel like does that make a difference for women? I it know. can. Yeah. I mean there's I, there's puzzle pieces, right? So they're in it a larger breasts aren't necessarily always a challenge, but we're looking at breast size, nipple size, tissue mm-hmm. elasticity, the size of the baby's mouth well, or comfort too. Like you probably don't feel as comfortable like pulling your boobs out, right? Um, I did in front of like my husband, my mother, my my sister, but we had visit. I mean, you yeah. have a newborn. You have visitors every day, and mm-hmm. so my mom would be like, "Hey, um, your aunt and uncle are coming over tonight," and I was like, oh, "Okay, well, I can't really do it then." So then it's like you have to go into another room, and so it yeah. just was isolating. One was a big one, and mm-hmm. then not comfortable, mm-hmm. and so. There's I think lots you just of different have to, factors. I think you just have to be comfortable too. Like if people are coming into my house, I was like, "You're gonna see me breastfeed," and I'm like, <laughs> I don't care. I'm unapologetic. I'm not see, covering up in I, my house. I did like care. look away. I yeah. walk away. I cared first baby, second baby, last third baby. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> you know. I would even have like my father-in-law and stuff come into my house, and I would just like turn to the side. Yeah. My brother-in-law, when he first met my baby, I was breastfeeding. Yeah, and he yeah. came in and met my baby while I was breastfeeding. I was like, he doesn't care. I don't care. Yeah, and yeah. he came in. See, yeah, I would care. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and that's okay. Like, I think that that's something to um, acknowledge that it's okay if you do not want to be uncovered. It is your legal right to breastfeed in any public place without being covered, Mm -hmm. and certainly in your own home. But, you know, even for me, like, there were certain people that I was very comfortable with, but... You know, my father-in-law, not so much. Yeah. And so... Um, Thankfully, yeah. he wouldn't look. Yeah. You know? It's, like it's a matter of, like, turning around while you get the baby to yeah. latch mm-hmm. and then kind of cover and then go back. But as the baby gets older, like, they're going to kick off anything yep. you have covering them or they're going to pop off and smile at everybody in the room. And mm-hmm. So I do think that that's important to acknowledge that it's it looks different for everyone mm-hmm. and, you know, our... Are you comfortable with setting boundaries with people yeah. who are coming over to your home after you have the baby? Like, it's okay to do that. It's okay to say, we're not going to have visitors for the first week or two. I actually think that's super sweet. It keeps that, you know, mm-hmm. that period really sacred. It's like, yes. you're not going to invite these people on your honeymoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Like, why would, why do we think it's okay to invite them to our baby moon? Mm-hmm. I know they love you and they want to see your baby and... I, I totally understand that and maybe have like so a certain time so, yeah. set aside that they can come or, you know, do some face, like Facebook lives or something. Yeah. And, <laughs> Here you go. Here's the baby. <laughs> you know, like it's okay to have those boundaries For and, sure. and to, to really know that that is a private intimate time and just have it be you and your spouse and people can and they better not be coming over without food yeah anyway. if you're coming <laughs> over it's okay bring food. for them yeah. to deliver food and just knock and leave it and go yeah so for successful like we're starting off do your research prior find a provider you like and then right after birth 
skin to skin. Like, mm-hmm. that's very important, right? Very important. And if that can't happen because the baby needs medical attention, mom needs medical attention, you just start when you can and you as do as, as much possible. of it as you yeah. can. It's it's not too late. My son was born by cesarean. He was my only cesarean baby. And he was 36 weeks. He went to the nursery. I didn't get to even hold him for about six, seven hours. Mm-hmm. And then I just did, I, I mean, then this was in 2003. And I did tons of skin to skin because I couldn't move. Mm-hmm. Looking back now, I was like, that was probably the best thing that ever happened in a way. Because um, even when I went home with a two-year-old and a four-year-old, like, sorry, I'm, can't move. I, can't move. <laughs> I can't get up. Like, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so then their dad had to really step up. Not that mm-hmm. he wouldn't have, but... You know, being a mom, you feel like you have to get up and live real life when you have other kids. So um, he was such an awesome little breastfeeder. But I think that the fact that I just, as soon as I got a hold of that baby, whether it's six hours after the birth, six days after the birth, you just put that baby on their their habitat, which is your chest, where they can hear your heartbeat and they can feel the rhythm of your breathing just like they did in the womb. And it will start to elicit those sta- those same instincts and mm-hmm. reflexes, and it can help a lot. And so, they know what to do. Yeah. They're, they're very not... instinctual little yeah. people, for sure. They're very in tuned with that. So I've done consults where the baby's not latching, and I just have the mom lay down in her bed, and I just put the baby on her belly and let that baby just go through those same motions and crawl up to the breast. Yeah, and I've seen a video of that. On the breast the baby's doing the crawl. It's mm-hmm. so cool. Mm-hmm. It is really cool. So, yes, so there's that. So be very picky about who you choose to be on your birth team. And then, you know, skin to skin, if you can do delayed cord clamping, that should be a priority. Yes. And then when you go home, have that space, have those boundaries, and be prepared to get nothing done except for to hold your baby. And I think with the boundaries, you have to be unforgiving with that. Yes. I know for me, even wanting the golden hour mm-hmm. really made my family members upset with me. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I was like, it's not even going to be an hour, you guys. It's going to be as long as I want it to be, and mm-hmm. I'm just going to do it. And I got a lot of backlash, but it was great. I had 12 hours before I had visitors, yep. awesome. and it was amazing. And then they were fine after the fact, but thinking about the fact that they're not going to be They were just their... excited. Yes, they wanted but... to meet them right away, and I was like, it'll yeah. still be right away. It'll still be new. It'll still be yeah. new. Yeah, but I need this time. And I know for me, I had to put my foot down. I had to be adamant about that, and... People were not happy with me for a while with yeah. that. And you know what? Have your birth team, your yes. you know nurses, yes. your midwife, or whomever, be the bad guys. Let them deliver. Like, listen, yep. you guys. Yep. And and I, I really do. I'll tell people, like, you wouldn't have them in, you know, your room on your honeymoon. Yep. Yeah. So, this like, important. this is a very yeah. intimate time. And, mm-hmm. yeah. Definitely. You know what? I, we were trying to decide who's going to be in the labor and delivery room with me and be my husband, my sister, and my mom. I'm very happy with how it turned out, having them all in there. But when we talked about, you know, should I invite my mother-in-law? Shouldn't I invite my mother-in-law? You know, I'm close with my mother-in-law. And I, you know, I had her go dress shopping with me when I got married and everything. So we're like, should we invite her? And the more I thought about it, I was like, well, she's going to see a very intimate portion of me. And with my husband, I was like, would you want to, like, spread your legs and, like, poop in front of my mom? Yeah. And he's like, no. And I'm like, so I don't think I want your mom-in-law in in the room with me. Yeah. (laughs) There's a there's a doula that um, teaches the a VBAC class of yeah. vaginal birth after cesarean. Jenny Fromit, Wisdom of Birth Doula Services, and she she tells parents that like whoever you have in the room when you give birth, just know that 
they're the people that you would be comfortable pooping in. (laughs) My first was, I did have a lot of people in the room and then they all left for the delivery, except for my mother-in-law was in there, which I love her. Second time, it was just my mom and my husband. Third time, it was just my husband. Yeah. Because it was so fast. And that was the best time. The third yeah. time, when there was yep. less people there. So, I wish I would have said that all three times. But you do. You feel guilty. And you just can't. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's important to just say yeah. that. Nobody made it to my first because I had my first really fast. Yeah. And then my second, I, there was quite a few people in the room. I actually had her at the hospital I worked at. And my mom had five kids. And she's like, I'd never seen actually seen a baby be born because they took my glasses away when I gave birth. And it's like this mirror at the other side of the room. They're like, just look in the mirror. And she's like, I can't see anything. <laughs> so she held one of my legs while I was pushing. And my friend was taking pictures. And my mom literally was inches away from my vagina. Like, <laughs> and she, but it, it was okay. Cause like, she still tells her birth story of my daughter and yeah. That's so, like your mom got splashed. My on. mom got splashed with everything. <laughs> I didn't know until afterwards. Like, oh, by the way. Yeah, she was up close. Yeah, she was very, very close. But I was going to say, we get a lot of questions about supply, milk yes. supply. Yeah. Okay. Um, That's, I, that yeah. is definitely one of the most common questions people will ask me. How will I know if I have enough milk? Mm-hmm. When you're breastfeeding, you can't see what's going in. Yeah. So it's like, how, how will you know? So you always want to look at the big picture. You want to look at, you know, and in those, so just to back up really quick, because in the first couple of days when you have colostrum and the baby's nursing and it can be sporadic, like it can be that they're, you know, breastfeeding every hour and then they'll go two or three hours and then want to breastfeed again. And they, <clears throat> excuse me. They may be on five minutes. They may be on 30 minutes. And so, um, that initial exposure and stimulation is so incredibly important And I think that is what's getting messed up a lot of times in the hospital because people are swaddling babies up and putting them in the bassinet. And we really need to keep babies close to mom. So if they cue, if they're rooting, licking their lips, sucking in their fingers, like put them to the breast, put them to the breast. And the other thing is we're focused on the numbers of like, you know, breastfeeding every, feed the baby for 15 minutes on each side every two to three hours. And then it doesn't make sense when the baby's on for 30 minutes and wanting to breastfeed every hour in those first few days when we're establishing our supply. So unswaddle that baby and keep that baby skin to skin with mom and and the partner. Mm -hmm. So if your partner is a man, if it's your boyfriend or husband, we call it a warm fuzzy because they usually have a hairy (laughs) chest. And and if your partner, yeah. So whomever whomever that is, they can do it as well. And then if you absolutely need a break and at that time, baby's been nursing, 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 and you need a break, like it's okay to then swaddle the baby up and take a break from it. But then when you're ready to go, unswaddle the baby and go back at it because we have prolactin receptors in our breasts and we make prolactin, it's released from our brain and that's the hormone that tells our body to make more milk. Mm. We only have a certain amount of time in the beginning to activate or open those receptors So if breastfeeding doesn't get off to a good start, either by nursing the baby as much as possible and just doing skin to skin gets all of those hormones Mm -hmm. going. The baby doesn't even have to be latched. But if if babies in the nursery are not latching well, then we want to start with hand expression, which is what's going to get the colostrum out, Mm -hmm. hand express onto a spoon, and then you can spoon feed or syringe feed. And then pump after that to stimulate, to put the order in for your milk supply. Good to know. And so, 
the first few days are important. Sometimes if that doesn't happen, we have a mom that struggles with her milk supply for mm-hmm. months. And if we have a mom that maybe has not noticed breast changes during her pregnancy, um, maybe her breasts are kind of shaped differently and she's always known that but didn't really know what that meant. Like um, her breasts are tubular shaped, her areolas are really large. Um, she, again, didn't have breast changes a lot during puberty, but then also during the pregnancy. Um, moms that have any issues with like insulin resistance or hormone issues like um, PCOS, they're at higher risk for having something called insufficient glandular tissue, hmm. which just means they don't have the ability to maybe make as much milk as someone else. And so there are those cases where mom does everything right. She starts breastfeeding right away. She does tons of skin to skin. She is even pumping. She's eating every lactation cookie. She's, you know, taking all of these different things and cannot make enough milk. That happens. Mm -hmm. So of course, if there's anything that doesn't seem right or you're struggling baby loses too much weight in the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, things like that, you always want to reach out for help. Yeah. So we are kind of talking about the norm right now or what we're hoping for, like the ideal. Um, but there are women that have low milk supply that work so hard and, mm-hmm. and cannot get that supply up. Some of those moms will continue to breastfeed. They'll either supplement at the breast or they'll breastfeed and then bottle feed and so breastfeeding can look different for a lot of different women. So I just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah. But um, so when we have that, those initial, you know, first few days when baby is skin to skin with mom and breastfeeding frequently, then usually around day three, day four, mom starts to notice the fullness, mm-hmm. starts to hear the baby swallowing. Yeah. We see the poop changing. That's huge. Um, you know, you will never be more excited about poop. <laughs> until that first week of your baby's life. Yeah. How many poopy diapers, what color, you know, the meconium in the first few days, and then it starts to change mm-hmm. like a brownish green. And then by about day five, we should see yellow seedy. It can be yellow mustard. It can be Dijon mustard. So <laughs> it's a hue of yellow. And that is huge. That is a very reassuring sign. Sometimes you see milk trickling down the baby's chin. So these are all of the, like, big like the pieces of the big picture. How do you know if the baby's getting enough milk? Are they content after most feeds? Um, Once your milk starts coming in, does your breast feel softer after a feed? Do you hear swallowing? So you'll have to turn the TV down Mm -hmm. so that you can listen because it's a very quiet sound that comes Mm -hmm. from like in the throat Mm -hmm. area. And it is not a clicking. It is Are not getting... a slurping. Are you having a letdown? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I, can, I, can, I, feel it like... I don't feel the tingling right now. Okay, so let's about talk it. about the letdown. Yeah. So <laughs> it is pricks. something everybody talks about. But when I do consults, I would say probably 80% of the moms that I see in those first few weeks are like, I don't feel my letdown. What? So, I never, I never mine it. felt like it was like knives coming out of oh, my boobs yeah. at first at until first, I got used like to needles, it. Okay. Yeah. Like needles, like sharp and painful. So perfect example of variations of normal. Yeah, there So you go. most of the time though, in the very beginning, moms are like, I'm not feeling my letdown. Or, and I'm like, that's okay. Because yeah. it could be that you're taking ibuprofen or Percocet, depending on your birth. It could be that you're kind of more focused on the sensations in your perineum from pushing True. a baby out or if you had a, a cesarean from the incision. 
And for some women, it's so subtle that it takes them a while to figure out that's what that is. So I'll tell moms like, you know, when you're getting into the shower and all of a sudden your breasts are leaking because you feel the milk leaking down your body or when the baby's breastfeeding on one side and you feel like you're leaking on the other, eventually what will happen is you'll be able to anticipate like right before that happens. Mm-hmm. You'll be like, oh, here it comes. You know, yep. you'll like grab your breasts. And so for some women, it's just a tingle or a warmth sensation. And for other women, it's pins and needles, yeah. like what you're talking about. And it can be very uncomfortable. Some women even have something where they get like this feeling of like gloom and doom or like this really, yeah. yeah. So that's another thing that. That's interesting. Yeah. A lot of times your baby's sleeping and you press and then their eyes pop open. They're like, go, go, yeah. go, go. And you know you hit the jackpot. Yeah. So, um, again, like I'm always bringing up research, research, yeah. research, the studies. and But they've done some cool studies with that where they found that women that touch their breast before and during breastfeeding, the babies get a higher, higher fat content and get more milk. So it also, you're, again, familiar with your breast. So you know that like, oh, I feel like I'm getting a little plugged up right here. Yes. You're on it. You're not letting that thing sit there and become more congested and more painful. And you're like, oh, I feel a hard area. So I'm going to like focus right there. Yeah. I've gotten better at that since I've gone back to work. I have to pump while I'm at work. mm -hmm. And sometimes I have to wait until I'm engorged just because I'm busy and I'm not able to go. And then I'll sit there and I'll make sure everything gets worked out and I'll feel like a trouble area sometimes where it's like really persistent and I'm like, okay, I can't leave until I get that out of there. And it's made me become more familiar with what you're talking about right now. So that's hands-on breastfeeding. I actually did a post on Instagram just last week or the week before on like use your hands. Mm -hmm. It's really important. Hands-on breastfeeding, hands-on pumping. So yeah, like so it. even again in the first couple of days with the colostrum, you can you can do that as well. Okay. And then once your milk is in, you definitely want to do that. So I think that that <clears throat> can sabotage a woman's breastfeeding journey when she's getting bad breastfeeding advice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's the hard part. It's like how do you tell people like who it is that you need to listen to? But I just had a mom that I saw this week, and her baby's kind of gaining weight slow, and her pediatrician told her. Well, stop letting your baby use you as a pacifier because they're just burning calories. And she told me, she goes, that didn't make sense to me. And I go, well, trust your mom instinct. If something doesn't resonate or sound right, you really need to listen to that. And I said, that is absolutely not true. That is a huge misconception. There's no evidence that supports that. That is only the case if we have a micropreemie, a premature baby, that we don't want them to expend too much energy. They can burn calories just being held. Mm-hmm. Like we don't want to overstimulate a, a premature baby, but for a full-term baby, that is like one of the things that drives me nuts. Mm-hmm. Your baby is not burning calories at your breast. It is okay for your baby to use your, your breast yeah. like a pacifier. It's comfort. Yep. And how dare anyone take that away from you? Mm-hmm. That is your superpower. Yes. And breastfeeding is not just nutrition. It is comfort. Mm-hmm. And maybe your baby's getting ready for a growth spurt and they need to spend more time on the breast to put the order in for you to make more milk in a couple of days when that growth spurt starts. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of biofeedback going on between you and baby. Like a lot. That baby is smart and knows what it needs. Yeah. And if babies burn calories at the breast, why do we not have warnings on pacifiers? Yeah. 
Really? I was going to say, it's like, the same as a pacifier. Yeah, that's what drives me that. crazy. That's like, true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, come on, you have a medical this, though, degree. People think, oh, you're a doctor, you must know. Yeah. But they, they didn't study breastfeeding. You know, they studied what they studied. Yeah. So, so I think it's important somebody to told them that, that somewhere along the line, and they are like, that's the gospel. Yeah. So now we're going to tell all these other moms. Yes. And, and it's just... Um, Things that make me go, hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Hmm. I was like, it is okay for your baby to seek comfort at your breast. Yeah. When my kids were little, there, again, wasn't social media. So I feel like there's certain advantages to that. Yeah. Because. You're hearing everything. Yeah. Yes. No one ever said that to me. So I was like, oh, you're hungry? Here. You're eating the yeah. boob. Yes. Um, I'm hungry? Guess what? Here's the boob. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to latch you on so I can eat my burger. Yeah. 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 Um, are you bored? Did you fall down and get yeah. hurt? Did you... Are you cold? Are you grumpy? Like, the boob was always the answer. And I just nurse, nurse, nurse my kids. And I feel like that's what made it work for me. All right. That's actually all the time we have left for today. But we will continue this conversation next week and answer the rest of your breastfeeding and pumping questions. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye.